Hello and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors. This is where I help landlords and property investors just like you build profitable mixed use and commercial property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you want to find out more about that, you are going to have to head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk where you will find everything about my awesome services that we provide as a firm surveyors. Okay, everybody, I have been doing a lot of reflection. I can't believe that we are almost at the end of the year and people have probably been saying that to you for ages and ages and ages and ages. It's always that thing, isn't it, that you rush through the year and then you get here and you're like, wow, what a year. And that has been the same for me. And I have been feeling really reflective, mainly because for the second year in a row, we're about to double NC Real Estate's income. And our accounting year runs from the 1st of May to the 30th of April. And so we've doubled last year by December, which means that we kind of have a bit of a pressure off time up until April. Obviously, the pressure is never really off, um, but we're celebrating it. Um, It's crazy. Certainly something that when I sit down and I reflect with my team, especially Lorenzo, who's been with me the longest, I can't even believe that we got here. I mean, my business has been probably one of the hardest things I have ever had to build. Property, fine. I'm very good at property. I get it. It's creative. But you put a surveyor into running a business? Oh my gosh. There have been months over the past couple of years. So I really started taking NC Real Estate forward at the end of 2016, the start of 2017. It was registered as a limited company in 2017. And that was when I really, really pushed forward. And there have been months when I've looked at my bank account and I thought, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to afford to pay our team, to pay invoices? And there have been months when I've looked at my bank account and thought, wow, look at the months we've had. We have, I've looked at it when clients have given us the most incredible testimonials. And I'm sat there and I'm celebrating with clients and I think to myself, I created this. I'm helping my clients do incredible things in property and I have surrounded them with the best possible best possible advice and we have made sure that we have are there for absolutely everything and of course there have been times where I have cried in frustration because I've been working 12 to 18 hour days and nothing seems to be progressing and I don't seem to be getting things right and we've done a launch and it hasn't gone to plan. And I spent a lot of money on marketing and all of these different things. And you think, when is it going to happen for me? And then things start happening and you, you just get caught up in it and you work harder to create more momentum. And then you get the highs and you still have lows. I mean, the 
the working hard doesn't stop. But of course, there have been days where I've been able to take myself to the beach on a Wednesday and just sit there and think, I wouldn't be able to do this if I was in a regular day job. And then there are days when I haven't left my office for hours and hours and hours and hours. And that is the highs and lows of running a business. And so what I thought I would do today in the spirit of transparency and to help those of you out there who are running a business and it feels like it's both heaven and hell all at once, I thought I'd share with you the 10 worst mistakes I think I've made in business. Just so that you can have a think about this and see um, whether it's something that you can change. It might make you feel a little bit better if you are going through the same thing. So I just wanted to say that. And hopefully it will open your eyes to the decisions that you make when you're running a business. And it's okay to make mistakes because that doesn't mean anything. You can still be really successful and make mistakes. So that's why I thought I would share this with you. Okay, so this is in no particular order. This was just the order that I was journaling. And this is what came up. So number one, not closing a business when I moved to America. So I was in business with a friend of mine and we were doing a development business. And it was absolutely fine. When I was in London, I could control it absolutely fine. And to a certain extent, when I moved to New York, it was still fine because that was the runoff period. You know, I'd only recently moved. We had contracts outstanding. I was, and so we had to finish them. And I was not project managing. I was just doing all the admin work at the back end of it. So it wasn't like I had to be on site. I just had to make sure that all the admin and all of that side of things was kept together. And I did enjoy doing that. But the longer that I was in America and the more I worked on NC real estate, and that was really where I wanted to put everything that I wanted to do, I really stopped working on that business. But my business partner at the same time stopped working on that business as well. Um, I tried introducing some deals to him and I tried introducing some clients to him, but he wasn't really that keen on it. And I am not very good at being supportive if someone doesn't want to put in the effort. And that might be a good or a bad character trait of mine, but that's really, really true. And so really, that business should have been closed the minute I didn't want to be a part of it anymore, the minute I couldn't give it my time. But I thought, you know, we've put so much into it. My business partner had invested a lot of seed capital into it as well. And I thought I owe it to him to keep it going. Our relationship has properly soured over the past couple of years. And the reason being is I just do not have time to talk to him about this business. I run still the admin side of it. I keep our accounts up to date. I make sure that the VAT is okay. It earns a little bit of money because we invest money here and there. But apart from that, we don't really do anything with it. And so because we don't really talk and we don't really, you know, we're not really active on it, it means that when we do talk, we have very different ideas about it. I've wanted to close this business for a while. He wants to keep it running until he can get all of his money back out of it. And I think we've just come to the decision that 
we shouldn't be in that partnership anymore. And that's a really hard decision to go through. And it has not been a level-headed, amicable, um, not been an amicable way of going about dissolving the business, that's for sure. He certainly thinks that um, the whole thing is my fault for not being in the country. Well, unfortunately, I've not been able to get back to the UK for the last two years. And that has been just a whole host of different reasons. If I would, if I could have come back, I would have. But also, if I'm really honest, NC real estate means more to me than that other business does. And that beca- that's because I can work on that and I've got no one to answer to. I make all the decisions. It The buck stops with me. Whereas when he was getting difficult about making decisions and he decided that he didn't like taking risks anymore, which I think you still have to do in business, I kind of gave up on that. So that I should have been more, I guess, honest about my capabilities and my time of doing work far earlier than now. (laughs) So that business will shut and we're working through that at the moment. Um, But it's been a lot of stress. I'm not very good with confrontation because I like to deal with things in a really straight talking manner. And that's not been what's happened. So Um, from that point of view it's made me feel quite anxious and quite stressed and I just wish 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 I had had the kahunas back in 2018 to just shut that down when we moved away number two taking out an office lease before the company could afford it Um, at the time I was doing a bit of coaching and um, as in I had a coach that I was paying And the coach said, if you went and started doing X, Y, and Z, um, the money will show up. Hmm. Either I wasn't in the right mindset or I was too early on in business. And I think it was a bit of both. But I took out a lease for the business so that I could get out of the house and have a place where I could just concentrate and go to and shut the door and no one was going to walk in on my space because we were living in a tiny, tiny apartment at that time. That almost bankrupted my business back in 2017. I should not have done that, but I was desperate to look the part, to be the professional, to be, you know, to show that my business was a success, but actually it wasn't. So I was trying to fly before I could even crawl, basically. Um, I didn't need an office. And now I'm so glad that I don't have a specific office. I have an office in our house. Brilliant. And that's where I'm sat right now. Um, And I'm kind of kitting that out slowly but surely. But I do not have a proper office to go to. And that has allowed me flexibility to be wherever I am in the world. So Please, just because other people have offices, don't waste your money on them if you don't think you need to. It gives you so much more flexibility not having one. Number three, hiring a $10,000 business coach in year one. I wish that I had just gone and used someone like Carrie Green's Female Entrepreneurs Association, which is a low-cost membership, which you can join on a monthly basis, or even the step up, which I did next, which is We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Those two memberships are really, really good, and they're very 
um, cost effective for business owners. Nothing to do with property is business, nothing to do with property. But in year one, I thought that if I spent $10,000 of my startup capital, I would have that fast track to success. I'd be in this six figure business already within a couple of months. No, I was not ready for that type of business. I was not ready for that type of coaching. It was far too high level for what I needed. You have to start with where you are and what you can afford. Again, I was spending money on something that I really couldn't afford and I shouldn't have been able to afford it at the time. I didn't get the most out of it. It put me in, I was I was too new, too green to go into that style that style of coaching environment so I didn't get the most out of it and so probably if I'd have done that year two year three it would have been far better but what I'm saying to you is have a look at how much you can afford and pay for the coaching that you can afford and as I said the smaller members clubs I would definitely recommend those for business owners rather than Um, jumping in with these massive high ticket coaches which you will get out something out of but I was just too new to use it so it was a complete waste of money at the time number four trying to fast track my success by spending 6k in Facebook ads year one so again with this coach that I'd hired he told me that the, the fast track way to making loads of money is to just pile all of your spare capital into Facebook ads and just advertise, 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 advertise. I lost a huge amount of money on Facebook ads mm-hmm. because I did not understand there was an algorithm behind it and that you have to build up consistency. Now, you may be listening to me and say, well, Natasha, you still use Facebook ads. Yes, I do. I do pay a lot in Facebook ads, but for a completely different reason now. I understand how Facebook ads work and where we should use them. We use them to target people who already know us to spread words about our free events. That's what I use Facebook ads for. And I find that that is really, really successful. But what I was doing at the start was literally just trying to run ads, doing it myself. And just like shooting from the hip, basically, not having real any targets, just trying it, losing a load of money, trying it again. Oh, such an idiot. I just didn't realize that you needed to be pretty logical in how you use Facebook ads. Now I have a paid for marketing expert who works on my team. And so he runs Facebook ads for me and can oversee everything and see where we're making money and see where we're not making money. But at the time I was doing it myself, I didn't put enough effort into learning about Facebook ads and therefore they failed. And so if you're going to run Facebook ads, start with a really small amount of money and get used to targeting and algorithms and how things show up. And from there, if if you start seeing small bits of success, you can then keep adding it up. But I didn't. I just went in all guns blazing and lost a lot of money. Number five, hiring a recruiter to search for new team members rather than trusting my gut and my network. So 
this was actually something that I did earlier this year and I wish I hadn't. Um, I was recommended that rather than hiring myself, I should go out and find someone else to do the hiring process for me, which I tried. And I just didn't find the right fit for my company. No one really understood what my firm of surveyors did because we operate differently. It's not as if my firm is on the ground surveying, although we do do that. I have people on the ground and we do do that. Um, It's remote as well. and We kind of spice it up and do it in a slightly different way. And I was not getting candidates that understood that in the slightest. And still, I had to pay thousands and thousands of pounds in fees for this. And I thought, this is what all big businesses do. Well, great for big businesses. But as a small business, I need to be hiring people myself. And I really, really, really shouldn't have paid for that service. And I won't be until the point where we grow to I reckon by the time I've got head of HR I'll need a recruiter but at this point no I have a big enough network that I can put adverts out and I can still interview some great surveyors essentially I was paying for a service that was not targeting the right people for me and I need surveyors who care who are really interested in clients and who are happy to work flexibly and take initiative and work from wherever they are and just have a little bit of fun with it. And I was not getting that. So I spent money on something I shouldn't. And again, it's just frustrating. Basically, tap into your own network when you're a small business. That is a really good, really good tip of advice. Number six, not having a bookkeeper in years one, two, or even three. I have an accountant, but no one did my books. And so my books were all over the place. They were a complete and utter mess. And so I didn't know if there was any invoices outstanding or what I needed to be chasing for or how my month to month looked. I could not compare my revenue on a month to month basis. And that is utterly ridiculous. Right. So it stopped me from making money because I didn't know what my money situation is. Now. I have a great bookkeeper and every single day I check in with my money in my business. So I always know where we are and what money we're making always. And I know whether our month end is going to leave us in profit or it's going to leave us in negatives. And that's really important because then for the next month, if we've had a month negative, which isn't the end of the world in business, I've learned. um, I didn't realize that before. um, I can then do something about it and I can change strategy and I can kind of look at what's costing us money. Where do we need to be spending money and where don't we need to be spending money? If I was to go back and do it again, I'd get bookkeeper from year one, immediate start so that they can help me keep track of my finances because I'm just not that good at it. And also they can help apportion things of all my expenditure so that I know how things look. I can get a snapshot at my money situation at any point in time. 
And that has been an absolute godsend. Number seven, not understanding tax and the implications of student loans. This is actually more about my property portfolio, but it's still relevant here. Student loans company can take 9% of everything you earn, which is actually pretty hefty on top of tax that you pay. And really, I've been hit quite hard with that over the last couple of years. I'm not complaining. I make a good amount of money. And yes, I do want to pay my student loans back. But I didn't ever account for it. And so when the the income started adding up, I was like, brilliant. And then I wouldn't put any savings away to pay for my student loan because I didn't really ever think about it. Okay, so that's the one thing. Now I do. And actually 2022 is going to be the year that I pay off my student loans. There's not much there. I'm going to be honest with you. I've done a very good job at paying them down. And I didn't really worry about it for a very long time. But now because it makes such a difference in how much tax I'm paying, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, I'm getting rid of that in 2022. And then tax implications, not spending enough time understanding how taxes work, how dividends work, how to pay yourself as um, as a business owner. So I was terrified. I was terrified of taking any money for years and years and years. And now I do pay myself a salary. Absolutely fine. Um, But because I was so terrified, I was terrified of making money and doing something wrong with it. And I think to make money, you've actually got to like money. And to like money, you have to be aware of its implications, right? And so I was so scared of my own shadow and what I was doing with money that I didn't take anything. So I kept myself pretty poor. Um, And I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I'd hired a bookkeeper and then I wish I'd learned about tax implications earlier so that I could pay myself a decent salary, have a good standard of living, which we do now. So I I would like to say I have learned that. But if I'd have learned that in year one, I probably wouldn't have had so many sleepless nights where I didn't know where money was coming from. And that is utterly ridiculous because I also have a property portfolio. But I used to use I used to just assume my property portfolio was just going to pay for my business, which it did for a couple of years. It hasn't over the last two years at all. But I did not know where my money was coming from or where it was going or how I was allowed to use it. And that fear kept me really stuck that I wasn't making enough money. Now that I've learned about it, I'm absolutely fine. But at the time, my gosh, it caused too much stress and worry. So you need to get that education sorted ASAP. And your accountant should be able to go through that with you. Number eight, not firing clients quick enough being too nice and then run ragged, trying to accommodate their every whim. This is a biggie. This year, I have learned how to let clients go, right? I offer a certain service and I'm very good at it. That's why I set up a business. I really believe that I am a very good asset manager. I'm a very good surveyor. But what I don't do is the nitty gritty stuff. And I don't make decisions for my clients. I present my clients with all of the information that they need and they need to make a decision, right? I can provide a recommendation, but ultimately they are in charge. 
And so when I have had clients this year that have been unable to make a decision, but want me to provide more and more and more and more and more up to the point where there is nothing else I can, I can provide. It's literally just yes or no. And that client can't make a yes or no decision. That is me wasting my time. Because essentially I've gone out, put myself and my reputation and the reputation of my business out into the industry, which is fine. I don't mind doing that. But when you're creating networks, contacts, finding deals, um, making sure that the deals stack up, that's a lot of talking to other surveyors. It takes a huge amount of time and it takes a huge amount to get other people in the industry to trust you so that they give you that information. So to, to be doing that for clients who then won't make a decision about whether they should move forward or not means that I have essentially let my reputation as a business down because I have clients who, although I've said I've got clients who will buy and they'll buy if this happens and then I've made that happen, and then the client doesn't buy or the client doesn't do X, Y, and Z, that's my re- reputation on the line, not my clients. So my reputation is incredibly valuable incredibly valuable and from that point of view if I now work with clients who can't make decisions who don't act quick enough we won't work with them anymore and clients who pay our invoices late also get fired or don't pay our invoices I've had one client this year who decided to stop paying invoices but still wanted to get on calls with me no F off. I have boundaries. I have a team to pay. We work incredibly hard for you. But if you don't want to pay our bills, we're not working for you. Right. Simple as that. And that's about putting boundaries in place. And um, previously, I just wouldn't. I'd be so like, oh, they might pay at some point or they might do this. We're not doing that anymore. The, The 2021 version of Natasha Collins and NC Real Estate won't have it. That is it, you know. Um, the other thing is fire, I fire clients for being aggressive to my team. I have the best team in the world. I'm sure of it because they're handpicked. So if you want to get aggressive to my clients, aggressive to my team, or be rude to them, and then start doubling down on that in email, again, you're getting fired. And so I've learned really quite hard <laughs> over the last 12 months how to fire clients and be pretty assertive yeah I, I love my clients clients I've got at the moment are incredible and I want to do absolutely everything that I can for them right but the minute I start getting messed around and the minute they're not respectful of what we do that's that from now on out um, and that's been a boundary for a little bit of time but when I was building the business to start off with I just wanted to please everybody And you can't please everybody. You've just got to offer the service that you say you're going to offer. If someone doesn't like that, that's okay. It's no reflection on me, actually. It's no reflection on the business. As long as we have tried our hardest and we have tried to do what we can, that's not us failing. That might just be two two entities not being able to work together. And that is what it is. And coming to terms with that has been incredibly cathartic. And has meant that I can make decisions really quickly over which clients are right for us and which clients aren't. Number nine, not spending time or money on my mindset. Um, and therefore, in years one to 
three, feeling like a constant failure all the time. I need support with my mindset. If I haven't spoken to you about it before, I, I suffer from anxiety and I have to take medication for that. But that also means I have to spend a lot of time on my mindset, which is huge, huge. And I now have people in place to support me with my mindset, but for a long time I didn't. And so I would spend my days as a business owner just swinging from high to low. Every time one tiny little thing went wrong, I'd be off my rocker, anxious, stressed. Now, I don't tend to sweat the small stuff as much as I do occasionally, but I don't. That is because I have got a mindset coach for my business and I've got a life coach as well. Both of those coaches really help me because they keep me grounded. They remind me what I'm doing and how I can move forward. I should have done that long ago. That's actually probably where I should have spent that original $10,000 from that other coach, but I didn't. I didn't learn that way. But if I was to go back and do it again, mindset is so important. And then finally, number 10, not networking smart enough. At the start of running my business, I wasted too much time at events I didn't need to go to, which meant that I was working all day, going out in the evening, trying to network with people. I don't do that anymore. I seek out the people that I want to network with. And I do it through connections and I get in contact with them and I ask them if they want to talk to me and I go from there. And those one-to-one chats that I have with these people are so much more valuable than going to big events and kind of just scattergunning approach it. And that's actually been something that I've had to learn to do over the course of running my business. But nowadays I'm very targeted in my networking And I will say no to events. If I don't want to do events, I will say no to them because my time is precious. You know, I've only got so many hours in a day and there's only so many things that I can do. And from that point of view, I now try and network with what what aligns with my goals, you know, and I try and help the people that I'm networking with. And then I ask some questions as well. So it's, you know, a give and take relationship. I'm very, very, very hot on that. And so now I do that, I save so much time, but I also meet these awesome people and I don't tend to meet them on social media. It's through contacts who know contacts and that is fantastic. So there we go. That is my top 10 worst mistakes I've made in business. No particular order. Um, Obviously I've made loads of smaller mistakes, but these were the things that stood out and I thought I would share them with you. Now I want to ask you, is this helpful? What do you think the biggest mistakes you have made in business? Or are there key takeaways that you are going to take from this podcast and that you wouldn't do in your business? Let me know. I really, really want to hear from you. All right, there we go. We're at the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening to me and coming all this far with me along this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to rate and review it if you're on Apple Podcasts or just subscribe. Subscribe so that you get this into whatever podcast provider you listen to on a Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.